Howdy there, folks. This is Scott Hume. Somewhere on the plains of Texas. I was uh, working away today. I built a new set of pans, put some cattle in, and I wanted to have water to all them pans, and so I decided to dig a line from my well over to them new pans so everyone can have its own faucet, its own tank, have it on a float so it fills up automatically. And so uh, I'm kind of a do-it-yourself-or-get-it-done type of guy. So I sat in a mini-X most of the day and dug these water lines. And I only got to go down about two feet, which is a lot different than what I used to do when I lived in Idaho. We'd have to go about six feet down up there so they wouldn't freeze. And I was thinking about the way things are and... and uh, the people out there that cannot do anything for themselves and it's kind of scary and it's getting worse i mean nowadays they make a big deal out of it if you know how to change a tire and my brother dustin once said that he thought every kid that got a driver's license should have to pass auto mechanics 101 as a prerequisite in high school and I thought that was a genius idea, whether it be a man or a woman or whatever. And the reason being is, once you understand the basic function of that vehicle, you'll be a better driver. If you can change your own spark plugs, change your own oil. If you can, uh, you know, obviously change a tire, maybe even time a, a car, time the engine. Uh, if you understand what maybe tuning one to four degrees off the top dead center would be um you understand a cooling system you understand a brake system i think we'd have less wrecks better drivers obviously more self-sufficient people however that is not a prerequisite and i am a fan of less laws more freedom so to impose a law that made sense to me would still be Maybe you're violating a little bit of your freedom. However, they do require that you take a driving course. So maybe part of that course should be Auto Mechanics 101. And as I was working away today, I was thinking, I was running a mini excavator. We lay all the pipe in the ground. It's all just plastic PVC. We glue the fittings together. We put the faucets in. And we can all do it. Because it's what we do. We've built ranches we've developed properties we've sold them uh and then it all really ties into the horse training deal really um and so i was thinking about society and people that do things and we live in a world today like i told you earlier on an earlier podcast about my son ethan when we decided to homeschool him he was a straight a student and he was on the road with me not all the time but you know we'd have to go to a horse show or a sale uh almost every weekend and usually we'd have to take off like on thursday so he'd go to school monday wednesday monday through wednesday right there and then and then thursday and friday he'd take off still getting straight a's he just didn't have the attendance record of the other kids principal calls and says hey if ethan misses any more school this year we're gonna have to hold him back and i said what for he said well he he doesn't have the attendance he's missed a lot of school he says something wrong and i says well it's part of work you know he's helping me family business learning a trade and 
the principal says, well, sorry, you know, it's not excusable. And I said, so let me get this straight. I said, you tell me that a kid that shows up Monday through Friday, all through high school, gets nothing but solid D's, is going to graduate. You got a kid that gets straight A's and does the work in half the time, and he's not going to graduate. He said, that's what I'm telling you. He said, the system sucks, but that is the system. And I told him we don't want to be a part of that. So we decided to quit homeschool. He graduated, got a diploma a year early, uh, took his final exam in the parking lot of Billings Livestock in Billings, Montana at the horse sale. And the problem with that system is it rolls into the workforce. And so now most people today have a job in which they can argue and tell me that it's not so, but the fact is it is precisely so. That if you show up, let's say you work 8 to 5, you show up at 8 o'clock in the morning and you punch in at 7.59 and you punch out at 5 o'clock or 5.01, you are going to get a paycheck. Whether you perform tremendously or very average, you're still going to get a paycheck probably within a dollar to an hour of the hardest worker there. And... Most people work in factories or for big companies or something, and they just kind of mill along. Ranching's different, and horse training and all that's different. We don't punch out when it comes to a certain hour. We quit when the job's done. I actually started digging those water lines last night, and I quit at 8.30. I should have kept going, but like an idiot, I left my coveralls at home. It's January, and it was cold. We got a north wind coming down here in texas that that was really cold and uh so i kind of chickened out but i still worked until 8 30 and i walked out of my door yesterday morning at seven o'clock so it was only a 13 and a half hour day uh todd williamson he said his dad had a joke when he'd hire somebody on their ranch he used to tell people we only work half days here so you can pick any 12 hours you want but but ranching's different you go until the job's done. So so the point of this podcast is, is recently I learned of a young man that, that uh, lost his job. And from what I understand, it was basically due to he wasn't being able to satisfy the boss. Even though he worked hard, even though he showed up on time, even though he did everything that he was kind of required to do, he wasn't doing it good enough, and him and the boss had to part ways. Not on bad terms, but the boss kind of had to say, this isn't working. So let's say that you have... We're going to pretend that a guy has a small sawmill and he cuts down trees and he mills those trees into into boards and he sells them. And he has a contract with a lumber store to deliver them 500 boards a day. And he's had the same hired man for the last five years and they can mill 500 boards a day. And he knows that he can fulfill that contract with a good hired man. His hired man goes on to bigger and better things and leaves. Therefore, he hires somebody else. The new guy shows up on time. As a matter of fact, maybe even a little early. Works all day long. Quits maybe even after he's required to. And no matter how hard this kid thinks he's working, let's say he's only producing 250 boards a day instead of 500. Eventually, the boss is going to have to tell him, you either got to step it up or I got to let you go. And if he doesn't step it up, the boss has got to let him go. Now, that may seem harsh, 
But from a business owner's standpoint, it's a lot better to let him go and let him go do something different than it is to lose your business. And now your family's starving because of the poor performance of somebody else. So it may seem harsh, but you still got to take care of you. You still got to do, and, and this, this person may not understand it. They may wonder why that it's, it's not working out. They say, I show up early, I go home later, I work harder than anybody else here. But it's kind of like Vince Lombardi said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So anybody that understands roping, this is the only way I can tell you. Any, anybody that understands roping, the way a team roper has to pull his slack. Let's say that you practice heading steers and you rope the dummy. And you get to the point where you can just flat throw the most beautiful head loop across them horns that anybody ever lived. And you work real hard at it. But when you pull your slack, you pull your slack with your thumb pointed towards the steer's horns like a calf roper would or a tripper rather than with your thumb back and, and up, you're going to end up cutting your thumb off in your dally. So even though you practiced really hard and you did everything you, you thought you were supposed to do to become a great team roper, a great header, you're still going to lose your thumb because you, even though you practice hard, practice didn't make perfect. Perfect practice made perfect. If you practice the wrong thing all the time, you're going to end up with the wrong result. Sometimes working smarter will take you a whole lot better than working harder. And I'm a big believer in hard work. But you do have to communicate with your employer. And you do got to, on a, on a regular basis, and say, how am I doing, boss? Is there anything you see that I could do better? I want to be the best employee you've got. And I know you're going to have a lot of the other employees there. If you work with a lot of other people, going to call you a brown nose or a butt kisser, whatever. But the bottom line is, those other people don't pay your freaking bills. Those other people don't feed your family. You want to get ahead, that's how you get ahead. Stop worrying about what the other boys in the locker room are thinking. And go to your boss or go to the coach and say, Hey boss, hey coach, how am I doing? What do you think that I could do better? Because that's the only way you're going to truly become successful. That's the only way that you're going to get ahead of it is by communicating. Now, me as a, as a business owner, we have a horse training business. We have a ranch. I have to hire people, and it's hard for me to do so because a lot of people out there don't understand that, if, that we got to get the work done. If I hire you, for example, to clean my stalls and you don't do a good job, eventually I'm going to have to let you go because the clean horse is the healthy horse. And if you do a really bad job cleaning my stalls, then my horses become covered in horse shit and they're not healthy. They don't have shiny coats anymore. I, I tell, I, I, I've had to tell some of my stall cleaners, if my stalls are dirty, it's your fault. If my horses are dirty, it's your fault. Because your job is to make sure that all the horse shit and all the horse pee is removed from them stalls. If they don't like that, they've clearly chosen the long, wrong line of work. We had a girl uh, from Newcastle, Texas. Her name was Jamie, and she worked for us for a year and a half and did a remarkable job. And she was, I, I told her, I don't care what time you show up. I don't care what time you leave. Just get the job done. 
and she always did a good job and she was horse savvy she'd been raised on a ranch and she you know grew up rodeoing and everything so it wasn't i didn't have to tell her how to do it i didn't have to tell her what to do it was i depended on her and one day she said to me hey i got a better job i need to take it and i said i totally understand we're still friends her and my wife are good friends me and her are good friends the kids and her are good friends she has two little girls we think the world of and she would communicate with me she would say hey i don't know if you noticed but horse down there in that stall you know number 10 has a broken water tank and that's why the stall was all soggy so i got it all cleaned out we got to put a new water tank in there she would communicate with me and i would always tell her it was an honor system deal i'd pay her by the stall and I'd say, keep track of the number of stalls you clean. And then at the end of every week, let me know what I owe you. I never questioned her, ever. Sometimes I would give her a little bit of a tip. And then the next week when it'd come time to pay her, I'd say, how much do I owe you? And she'd say, well, you only owe me this much because last week you overpaid me. And I told her several times, I'd say, Jamie, I've never overpaid you. And if anybody ever called me to give her a job and said, how is Jamie Krill as an employee? I could say... She was phenomenal. You could trust her with your life. I could trust I could trust that I could send my kids with her and I would never ever worry if they were in trouble. I would trust that my wife could go out with her on a girls' night and they wouldn't do anything of questionable nature. She was a wonderful employee. Very, very trustworthy person. And I haven't met very many people like that. She's just a wonderful person. And uh, we really, really, really appreciated the 18 months or whatever Jamie worked for us. She was just phenomenal. Um, but but you need to understand, it's kind of like it says in the old John Wayne movie, McClinic, when John Wayne tells the young man, he says, you don't understand, I don't give jobs, I hire men. Because we don't create jobs here. A job is something that needs done. And so if you're going to go to work for somebody, you need to perform because their livelihood and their business depends on it. You know, some of these people that you work for, they've had a, let's say you work for a 60-year-old man, and you just think he's some rich old man that, let's pretend, owns a gas station. And what you don't understand is, he bought that 24-hour-a-day gas station when he was 25, and he started working there when he was 20, and maybe he worked the night shift because it paid an extra 10 cents an hour more in 1964. I know a guy that that's really his story. He's dead and gone now, but but he would work the night shift to make 10 cents an hour more. Because that 10 cents an hour, that 80 cents a day, it stacked up. And so when he invested 35 years of his life into owning this service station, he didn't do that. So some lazy ass could come and ruin it for him in six months. He didn't do that so somebody could maybe not charge everybody for their soda pop and candy bars as they come in there. And maybe somebody come in and said, well, I put $25 worth of gas in the car, but I only got a 20 on me. And they let it slide. He didn't, he didn't become that so that you could ruin it. And that's what you got to keep in mind is... I know you can say, well, that's pretty heartless to say it's nothing personal, it's just business. But when an employer, his life and his livelihood and the well-being of his family rides on the line, he doesn't hire somebody just to write a paycheck. He hires somebody because he needs the help. 
and you're going to sell him your time. That's what you're doing is you're selling. When you get a job, you're selling your time. So why not sell your time for the most money you can possibly sell it for? If you think that you're valuable, if you think that your time here on earth is worth anything, which it is, why don't you sell that commodity? Time's the one thing that you cannot get back. We can go broke and make another fortune. We can wreck a car and buy a new one. We can burn a house down and get another one. We can go buy new clothes, new boots, new horses, new motorcycles. But we can't get back our time. So if you have to go to work, which we all do, if you have to perform in order to get a paycheck, why not perform to the best you can and sell your time for the most you can sell it for? Because that's what you're doing when you work for somebody, is you're selling your time. And it's really hard for a lot of people to understand that. And they can say, well, the boss don't know. He don't care. Oh, he does. Believe me, buddy. He does care. And it does mean to him. Because most of the people that hire somebody else have been at it the hard way for too long. And they didn't do that to let somebody else screw it up. Even though you think you're doing good, even though you feel like you've worked hard, Losers always whine about their best. Nobody is interested in what you think is your best. When you have truly done your best, you don't have to tell anybody. They'll tell you. When you've truly performed well, when you've truly done well, you will be complimented. Maybe in the form of an attaboy, a pat on the back, a thank you. Maybe you've got a boss that really doesn't say a whole lot and it doesn't make him an asshole. It just might not be his style to come give you a hug and say, I really appreciate you working hard on the sawmill today. Our goal is 500 boards a day and you're cutting six. No, that might not be his style. His style might be an extra 50 bucks a week, 100 bucks a week. Maybe it's 100 bucks a day. I don't know. Maybe it's nothing. And he just says, I pay you $15 an hour. And you just figure as long as I'm going to be a $15 an hour employee, I'm going to be the best one I can be, you know. When Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers because his, they felt his father favored him. When Joseph became a slave, he said, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave I can be. And he did well. He progressed through the ranks and the guards noticed it. And pretty soon the Pharaoh noticed it. And the next thing you know, he's the servant of the Pharaoh. And he said, if I'm going to be the servant of the Pharaoh, I'm going to be the best servant that I could be. He never let it go to his head. He never looked at the other slaves and said, ha ha, you're still stuck there stacking bricks, building pyramids. And here I am, the servant of the Pharaoh, hanging out in the air conditioning. No, that's not what he did. He still said, whatever I do, I'm going to be the best one I can be. So if all you have to sell is your time, because we're all salesmen. You can say that you're not in sales. You can tell me I can't sell anything. Horseshit. When you applied for a job, you tried your ever-living ass off to sell yourself to that guy to hire you. I promise you, you have salesmanship capabilities inside of you. Because that's what you did when you went to that boss and he said, Can you stack these boards all day long? 
Yes, sir, I can. Now, you realize that these boards weigh 40 pounds apiece? Yes, sir. And you realize you're going to stack 500 of them a day after they come off that mill? Yes, sir. And you understand that that's 20,000 pounds worth of lumber you're going to stack every frickin' day with your frickin' hands? Yes, sir. And you're capable of it? Absolutely. I can do it all day. You just became a salesman. And when you don't perform, now you've sold a bogus product. Now you've sold something that didn't have the stamp on the box, that didn't have that guarantee, and you put your own personal guarantee on it. So you need to understand, everybody out there needs to understand, we're all salesmen of some sort. It's how you sell yourself. And if what you have to sell is your time, which is what we all do, sell it for the most you can sell it for. If you only make $1 an hour more than the other guys on that assembly line, even though you work in a factory, but you work the hardest, and you make sure not only do you work the hardest, but the quality of work you do is better than everybody else's, eventually the boss is going to take notice. And if you only make a dollar an hour more, that's 40 bucks a week, that's 160 bucks a month. Okay? Now, anybody with any kind of math skills can go ahead and figure out that that's about another 1748 bucks a year. It doesn't seem like a lot, but hey, that's that little mini vacation you've been wanting. Right there. That $1 an hour more. Over 10 years, that's 17000 17000 bucks in 10 years. You do that over 30 years, the course of your career... And you multiply that, and it turns into 51000 So that new motorhome you've been wanting to buy, a new camper trailer you've been wanting to buy, to go enjoy your retirement, that's it. Right there. You have time. You may not. That's why time is valuable. We don't know how much time we have left on this earth. We know how much money we have in our account. But we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. So if all you have right now is time... Whether it be 10 minutes or 10 years or 100 years, sell it for the most you can sell it for. Period. And don't be afraid to ask your boss or ask your coach or your employer, your spouse, the people you work for, how am I doing? What do you think? You know? And when they say, well, I'd like it to be a little more like this or a little more like that, you give them a yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and you get your ass to it. And you do the best job that you can do. And don't you tell them you did your best. You let them tell you that you did your best. Okay, with that being said, it's been a long day. And I'm going to head for the house. Hope you all enjoyed that. Maybe it woke some of you up. Maybe it made you think I'm a jerk. I just hope that somehow, someway, somewhere, it makes people realize what an employer goes through. And I wish you all the best from somewhere on the plains of Texas. Have a good one.